What's up, homies? I'm Erica. And I'm Roshane. And as always, thank you so much for hanging out with us today as we chit-chatted up about a brand new horror movie. Well, no, it's not brand new. Came out last year. Yeah, you know. New-ish. New-ish. New-esque. It's new New to us. You know what's not new, though? What's that? Us doing another Shudder original with no sponsorship oh. in sight, Shudder? Come I had on. to do it to him. Look, um, <laughs> I like the relationship that we have with Shudder at the moment. Very give and take. Mm-hmm. But I would like a little more. I just want it to be deeper. We're on like a friends with benefits type of deal right now. I would love to solidify. I would love to make it official. Shudder, you have our number. Give us a call. I 100% agree with you. Um, Though I do, (laughs) I'm finding this little meme relationship that we have with Shudder kind of funny at this point (laughs) because they have no idea (laughs) who we are. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. Shudder is like that hot person you see walking down the street and you build this imaginary relationship with them in your head (laughs) and like you stalk them, but they don't even know that you're there. That's what our relationship is, actually. We actually haven't even become the benefits part yet. We're just right. not even friends. We're acquaintances. <laughs> Shudder, just call us, all right? Call us. We could have something special. It could be beautiful between us. Just give us give us a ring. It could be beautiful. Oh, my God, please give us a ring. I'll, we'll even pay for the wedding. Mel, eh, you probably have more money than we do, so maybe not. <laughs> but we'll, we'll help you plan it. <laughs> <laughs> we'll pick um, out the flowers <laughs> yeah we'll pick out the flowers and the music of course and the cake <laughs> um but i do want to say well two things mm-hmm. first and most importantly if you homies have not checked it out quite yet we were recently on an episode of the podcast two chicks and a horror flick that's right. Um, we were guests on their most recent episode. We talked about Cabin Fever, um, which they so graciously allowed us to pick the movie. And we, well, I brought that to the table. <laughs> mm-hmm. And yeah, so we, we talked to them about that. We had a lot of fun. And I think the episode came out awesome. So if you guys have not yet Please go check that out. Get a double dose of homies and also get some Tawny and Felicia in your life. Yeah, they're awesome. I had a lot of fun on their podcast, honestly. It was Mm -hmm. a great conversation. It was. (laughs) It was really fun. I I also enjoyed revisiting that movie um, because it was (laughs) and things weren't the way I had perceived them. Uh, So that was fun. So that was the first thing. Secondly, obviously, we did The Fourth Kind last week. Mm-hmm. Made a little posty post about that. And that movie has been getting a lot of love. I've been seeing a lot of appreciation for that movie. Right? Um, Which is, I get it. Like, it's totally, yes, that makes sense. But, I, and I also had a discussion with one of our friends, uh, Shantae from Six Feet Forever, 
who mm-hmm. is also a huge fan of that movie. I had a little discussion with her about it, and I don't know, dude. It's making me want to like revisit it and see if and see if I would have rated it higher. Like, part of me just wants to rewatch it because I'm like, just to see, <laughs> just to see. It's interesting because, like, I, I'm with you. I get why I get why people uh, enjoy the movie, and like, like I said in that episode, like I liked watching the movie. I was just, I'm still a little mind blown at how scared and scarred a lot of the internet seems to be towards that movie. It scarred a ton of people. But yeah, but I'm thinking about it. I think what may have dampened it for us, just a skosh. Is Mm -hmm. that we didn't, it's been so long since that movie's come out. We've had so many found footage movies since then. I don't know if this was the case for you, but I had kind of been, it had been very hyped up in a specific way for me. So I went in with these expectations of it, but I also went in obviously knowing that it wasn't a real movie. But I feel like if I had watched it in 2009, watched it straight off the top, and uh-huh. not known any of that stuff, that movie would scare the shit out of me, for sure. Oh, like, yeah. if I oh, went yeah. into that thinking it was real and watched it right then and there, I I could see myself being sufficiently shook. Mm-hmm. Yeah, so. no, I agree with that. I Honestly, I still stand by, like, how I felt about the movie. Like, my position, I don't think, has changed despite the stuff that we've heard. Um, but yeah, just go, I don't know, go watch the movie and decide for yourselves, homie. Like we're mm-hmm. always remember that we're just giving you our perspective of these things. If you, if you feel a way about a type of movie and you feel that way strongly about that movie, continue to feel your oh, feelings are valid. Feel all the feelings. It's all an opinion based situation and different genres hit different for people. I, like we said, the aliens don't always hit for us. But mm-hmm. I totally understand why they might like they might creep into your soul and and steadily hold onto your brain. I can totally see that. <laughs> um, but yeah, that is all I wanted to say off of the top. So without further ado, yes, shall we get into scare me? I think we should. So okay, homies. As always, we are entering into spoiler territory, so you have been warned, but we are talking about Scare Me from 2020, which is a Shudder original coming at you from the brain of Josh Rubin, who is the writer, director, and stars in the movie as well, alongside Aya Cash, Chris Redd, and Rebecca Drisdale. Meet Fred, an aspiring but struggling writer currently on a cabin retreat looking for a bit of inspiration. While there, he happens to cross paths with Fanny, author of the incredible horror story Venus, who is staying in a nearby cabin. When a storm knocks out the area's power, Fanny joins Fred in his cabin and the two writers square off in a storytelling battle of who can scare who. Insert werewolves, pizza guys, and impressive musical numbers here. Our film concludes with Fred pushing the limits to make sure he wins the scare off. Also, James Cameron. Roll credits. (laughs) 
Very good. Thank you. Thank you. So that voice, I think, very much fits this movie. Um, because okay, there's a lot of voices. That. There's a lot of voice, different voices in this movie. And I think yours would fit right in <laughs> if you were telling the story. <laughs> <laughs> but, all right. So we're talking about Scare Me Today, which... Um, so it was my first time watching it. I'm assuming it was your first time watching it as well. Yes, it, it was. And I also knew very, very little about this movie before going in. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it was one of those ones where uh, I was like going through Shudder and I saw this one pop up. And initially I saw Aya Cash, who um, a lot of people probably know her from right now, The Boys. She plays Stormfront. But I remember seeing her originally in the FX series, You're the Worst, because she played the lead Gretchen in that. And I've always been a big fan of her. Mm-hmm. So when I saw her face, I was like, oh, she's in a Shudder horror movie? I want to see what this is about. And then um, looking more into it and learning about Josh Rubin, who has been around for like a really long time. And when I saw his face, I was like, I know I've seen I've seen him throughout my years of living and on, and on the internet. Like, I've seen this dude's face before. Throughout all my years. I know I've seen that face. Yeah, but he's he's directed a shit ton of, like, shorts and stuff for, like, college humor and whatnot. Yeah. Um, and so I guess this was his first feature-length film that he made. And uh, I was, from the get, I was definitely very impressed with this film. Um, I had a lot of fun watching it. Mm-hmm. No, I I would agree with that. I thought this movie was a blast. And I'm actually really, really actually happy that I didn't know very much about it going in. Yeah, same. I think that was a plus for this one. Yeah, because it's different. Like, it takes a much different approach than anything I've seen in, like, recent memory. And it was really kind of refreshing to see this take on almost like the creative writing process of horror movies while still being in a horror movie. It's, uh, it's... I don't know. It was cool. It was cool to dare see. Dare I say dope? <laughs> dare I say dope? Do I dare I that, utter actually. the word? <laughs> um, no, but I agree. And also, too, so there's only four characters in this movie. and mm-hmm. three, One location. One location. Three of which the actors have – well, all of these actors have a background in comedy, but three of them – I know for sure have a background in improv and mm-hmm. oh I feel like that's very very apparent in this movie like yeah you can tell yeah. that they all have very much that history and just the way that they perform throughout this and I I will talk about it a little bit more later on when we get more into the story, because I don't know if you homies knew this, but we have a a professional, dare I say, um, a professional (laughs) improviseur amongst us. Oh, Um, please. You flatter me. uh, I actually, well, I was referring to myself, but yes, uh, (laughs) Roshane also does improv. (laughs) Oh, fuck, you got me. Shit. <laughs> I'm just kidding. Uh, he He's the improv guy. I have, I've done improv, not of my own volition. We had to do improv at mm-hmm. our school. Yeah, that's true. Um, and once I got all those credits, 
I bowed out and I bid my adieu <laughs> to the improv <laughs> stage. <laughs> no, yeah. I've done a bit of improv, homies. I, yeah. I've done it for 10 years and I've done it like all around like LA and Hollywood and stuff like that. So I have experience with improv. Um, whether or not I call myself a professional improviser uh, is up for debate. However, however, <laughs> the influence of improv, you could definitely see it, at least if nothing else in the storytelling aspect of this particular film and i i seen in a lot of interviews people talking about how strong the script was though so i'm myself kind of curious how much of the script was um straight off the page and how much they actually got to improv and whatnot Mm -hmm. but since you bring that up a couple facts that i found about the writing process from josh himself through a couple of interviews um apparently josh had, uh, as he put it, angry wrote this script um, back during uh, the real push during the Me Too movement when a lot of people were coming out with their stories and, um, you know, giving their experiences dealing with guys feeling like emasculated within the entertainment industry and whatnot. And so um, I guess he apparently cranked this script out in like a couple days. Like I think he said like three days or something like that he was able to crank out this script and you can really see i i really enjoyed that although the script is very entertaining and fun and like the characters have a lot of room to play and whatnot he still found a way to uh incorporate an overall message in the subtext of the script and i i think it was just like a testament to uh, his good writing because like this this to me was like a horror master class or like mm. if like a mat like a master class was a horror movie or like God, how do you explain this movie <laughs> <laughs> the okay so this is the way that i felt that i maybe would use to explain it mm-hmm. if you take two people who both feel that they are very versed in horror mm-hmm. and you sit them into a room and then you let them try and figure out who is the bigger fan while also trying yeah. to scare each other. Like, that's what it felt like to me. Because I think it's mm-hmm. very, very obvious, and and this is another thing that I read in an interview that Josh did, is he mm-hmm. is very, very obviously a, a very huge fan of horror. And this is a lovingly written nod to a lot of horror films but also tropes and Mm -hmm. i think that that is very evident throughout the film and i just couldn't help but sit there and almost not i don't see like us in it because i don't think either one of us are like these characters Mm -hmm. but i could totally see us doing something like this oh yeah a hundred percent sitting down and trying to scare each other and trying to outdo each other and I think that – so I think you're along the right vein of, like, how you're trying trying to explain it. Because it is – the way that he, I think, is able to weave in his message with the horror aspects but also the comedy aspects, I do think it is quite masterful. He mm-hmm. is a maestro of the pen. <laughs> he is. He is. <laughs> and I think that's what it is. Is like, on paper, the, the concept of this movie, honestly, is very simple. Uh, that part is yes. easy. It's two two writers. One is successful. One isn't. Um, come together during a storm, and they tell each other scary stories. That's 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 the plot. Um, but there are a lot there are a lot of nuances to this film beyond that 
very basic skeleton structure that I think um, if you're privy to the writing process or if you've ever explored creative writing yourself, there are a lot of nods to that process throughout this movie that for me as somebody who's just like a beginning writer, um, it was very fun to see those in practice and embodied by these two characters. Um, especially seeing the difference in dynamic between the two with one being a, you know, a successful author while one being the, I really want to be where the other person's at. Um, I loved watching that dynamic work and seeing how these characters navigated, you know, being in each other's space. And then there's always the, um, kind of creative tug of war between two people who are trying to like one up each other. I think that was really fun to watch. And, um, both both Josh and Aya did a great job in, I think, portraying that on a very realistic level. Mm-hmm. I, I saw agree. a lot of people I saw a lot of people that I know, I think, through these characters. Oh my god. And yeah. for me that was really fun. <laughs> yeah. Um I think one of the good the cool things about this as well is that depending on what is happening in the movie at the time. Mm-hmm. you flip-flop between liking and disliking these characters quite often. Yeah. Be- and I like that. I don't. I like that neither one of them were completely likable. Like, there would be times when I would... I understood exactly how Fred felt because mm-hmm. Fanny was kind of being a bitch. And, but then other times, I completely saw where Fanny was coming from because Fred was being such a little crybaby about mm-hmm. his ego being bruised. It's just yeah. like, it was just this good little back and forth where I honestly didn't know whose side I was going to be on by the end of it. I didn't even know if I was going to be on anyone's side. And, mm-hmm. and But then there were also moments where I was like, oh, these characters might like come out better. They might like, they might grow into better people by the end of this. It's not. What, they not might have happens. character development. Are we no way. Like, we are we going to grow as human beings because of this <laughs> dynamic? I appreciate that that is not where it went. <laughs> mm-hmm. um, but but there was a moment in time where I I wondered if that was going to be the end game because both of them. Both of them kind of need something from each other that they don't realize. Like, Fred obviously does not have the work ethic. He doesn't have the... He can't put in what he needs to put in to get to where he wants to be. And he sees someone who is more successful to him, and he just assumes that it came to them really easily because that's what he wants. He wants it to be easy, but it's not because he's not trying. And then... She needs some humility. Like, she likes to act like she is not narcissistic, but she is. Like, she obviously is very – it's beyond proud of her accomplishments. She is very, very – like, she has put herself so high up on a pedestal now where nobody can really touch her. Um, I do also think that – she just finds joy in winding Fred up. And I, you know, we only really get to see her interact with two characters. And I do definitely think that the way that she interacts with them is different. Because with Fred, she never asked to be, you know, he was the one who kind of put himself upon her. Mm-hmm. And, you know, despite it being fairly obvious, I feel like that she's not really in the mood to talk to people. He 
I think is kind of taken aback by the way that she reacts to him, which is completely in her right. She has no obligation to be nice to him just because he wants to talk to her. But I think from the moment he meets her Mm -hmm. and once he finds out who she is, I feel like immediately he feels inferior and threatened by her success. And he's always kind of throwing it back in her face. And... You know, he wants to say, oh, I'm a I'm a director, writer, actor. But then when she kind of pushes him on it and he buckles under the pressure because he really doesn't have anything to show for it. I think that she just enjoys, you know, it's like if you're going to say that that's what you are, then where's the passion? I don't think she's really asking too much of him. It's just the way that she asks it is very, very brash. And Fanny is more talented than him because she is I mean it's very evident when they tell their two stories you can see that Fanny is much more of a talented writer than Fred is but that's because she puts the work in that he refuses to put in but I don't think he sees it that way he just sees it as her coming easy to her which in his opinion is unfair they can't come to a they can't see eye to eye because both of them think that they're ex- fine the way they are. And when the other person tries to offer any input, they're like immediately shut each other down. Yeah. And it's like every time you think that these two characters are making some headway in that regard, it always feels like they'll take some steps forward. But then they'll also kind of like inch back mm-hmm. maybe a scene or two later because someone someone will say something that gets under the other person's skin and then they're like, mm, no, I don't. or like they'll they'll be telling the story, and then one of them adds in a, a criticism, and then all the, you can watch that affect either Fred or Fanny, whoever's getting the criticism, and them being like, ah, hold on, we were we were we were on a good route there, and you just straight up swerved. <laughs> yeah, no, I, I agree. There's a lot of times in this movie where, yeah, it seems like they are really connecting and mm-hmm. maybe making some headway. And it's interesting because like almost throughout the movie, you do feel like, I, I tell me if you felt this way, but I do think that she was really, really helping him and making him a better writer. Like she was yeah. giving him, yes, it was very frustrating <laughs> like for her to interject and make him feel shitty and tell him that his, you know, it's derivative or that he's bad. But- mm-hmm. He always would come out better than when he started because she was pushing him. And then in the same way, I feel like as the movie went on, she became more open to his ideas because he was getting better. Mm-hmm. And we're on this trajectory. And I'm like, uh, by the time we get to the point where they are creating the troll story together, I was thinking, oh my gosh, they're working together. <laughs> right? And the like story is coming now. out so great. And then we get Carlo, and Mm -hmm. it kind of starts them back from square one because Carlo comes in and basically reminds, like, Fred that he is is not as good as Fanny, which is his belief for the whole time. He feels emasculated by her. He can't handle the fact that she is so much more successful than him. And it Mm -hmm. seems like we had almost gotten to a point where he had forgotten that was the case because they were working together. Yeah. And then Carlo comes in and is like, oh, she's a badass bitch. And who are you? <laughs> what's up? Sorry, <laughs> like, what's oh, your cool, name? Cool, cool. Okay, great, 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 great. Like, <laughs> and so then he's just knocked back down to square zero, basically. Yeah. And it was, 
I, I really like that the script did that too, because there was so to what you were asking before is like, yeah, I definitely think that she helped him a lot. And one of the things that I really enjoyed while watching that journey of him attempting to tell the story and her chiming in is one, you can tell that um, Josh outside of the character, but him um, as the writer for this, um, he understands story structure and the writing process fairly well um, to the point where he can make the commentaries of it through the script. And yeah, a lot of the times when uh, Fred is reaching roadblocks within his own writing, it's a lot of similar roadblocks. I think a lot of, real aspiring writers do hit and it's a lot of stuff that you know both you and i had to kind of work through especially in college and stuff of like pushing past those roadblocks and like thinking further than where we're used to thinking where he there's a point where fred's telling his werewolf story and um fanny keeps chiming in details details like actually add details in there and you can tell that he's getting frustrated but when he actually does what she's telling him to do the story blossoms even further the colors of the story are a lot more vibrant and you can tell that she's giving him good advice it's just taking him a while to accept this advice because of his own inferiority complex in regard to her because she's got this big you know, she's got this successful book in venus that everybody knows and loves he himself included and he's still you know working on his first thing trying to get his mm-hmm. feet you know out the door and it's interesting too because like you said fanny too i think when she first meets him it's a nice juxtaposition to how uh fred met our driver because the driver which i love the driver by the way <laughs> yeah. uh rebecca drisdale's character was so funny mm-hmm. that james cameron bit had me <laughs> dying dude yeah. i was dying it was it, she i <laughs> i really liked that whole thing of them driving and she's like oh you're probably tired you can take a rest and he like closes his eyes and then she just starts talking again <laughs> i was like oh my god this is every uber every uber ever well if you need a nap or anything you just go on and get it <laughs> thanks you know i do some writing myself wow do you I do, I do. Thanks for asking. <laughs> just, just let me sleep. Every that's every Uber from the airport for sure. <laughs> <laughs> but he, but she, you know, she's telling him that you know she's an aspiring writer herself, and you know, there's kind of like tears to this, which I did like that the movie explored where he's looking at her being like, oh, okay, driver, you're going to be a writer. Sure. I'm actually like, I'm out here on a retreat, you know, getting the work done, et cetera, et cetera. So you can already tell like he's got a chip on his shoulder in regards to writers that he thinks he's above. And then he runs into Fanny who has a similar feeling towards him. And that comes from her own work and accomplishments, however, where she knows the work that she needs to put in and she's actually done that and she's seen the fruits of her labor whereas uh fred on the other hand hasn't quite figured out how to do that yet mm-hmm. and so getting to see these like little hierarchies of success was very interesting throughout the entire course of this movie yeah right and it's almost like a cycle of life type of thing because it's 
It's like Fred feels so much above this lady who, Mm -hmm. you know, is like, oh, I like to write. And he kind of scoffs at her story. She's telling him this story that she's writing and he kind of scoffs at it. But mm-hmm. then later he steals her idea. I know, right? I love to that. Impress. Yeah, I to fucking imp- love that because I that's know. so true. That's yeah. so goddamn true. Because he's embarrassed. He's embarrassed about his own idea and so to impress Fan- Fanny, he steals the cab driver's idea and it actually seems to interest her but then she, but then he also gets kind of caught up because you know then fanny starts asking questions and he doesn't know but the, and then we find out later that or we don't fu- but later on the same he gets mad at fanny for stealing his ideas mm-hmm. and and she's like okay yeah that happens like people steal ideas you just have to do them better yeah. but it's like okay He's just a, it's just a hypocritical move on his part. He's just mad because it's his idea that she stole, but he was completely fine with stealing this nobody's yeah. idea and trying to pass it off at his own when he doesn't even know the the, the story mm-hmm. <laughs> that, you know, because what does she say? She's writing it off of Cora yeah. from the Bible and he doesn't even know the story and he's like trying to pass it off as his own. I thought that that was like a good full circle moment in the movie. Mm-hmm. Yeah, because like, It seems like a lot of the things that are upsetting Fred are a lot of projections that he's making from himself about the things that he's missing. Mm -hmm. And I think every time um, Fanny or, or Carlo reminds him of one of these things, that's when we see him kind of regress more and more. And Fred himself is an intriguing character to follow, too, because we get this... Even from the beginning, right, the the movie sets up that something's a little bit off with um, with Fred. Yeah. And, like, we don't get the full backstory or anything at the beginning, but, like, we see even when we get just him in the cabin, right, and he's um, looking for inspiration and going through, like, he's acting out his scenes from his horror movies and stuff like that. And it's, you know, you could you could pass it off as just, okay, this is this guy's creative process. But also, like, he seems a little too into it. Unhinged. If that makes sense. <laughs> <laughs> right? Like, yeah. like, there's something there's something off about Fred. There's something not quite right about Fred, but it's hard to pin it because we don't get enough time exploring it. It's all in, like, little doses before we thrust him into this scenario where now he's got multiple people around and we can't get to see these ticks anymore. They're kind of all locked in. And I thought that was a great move to like introduce that, but then not really do anything with it until, you know, near to the end. Because like the whole time I'm sitting there and like, I'm enjoying the ride of like watching them tell these stories and whatnot. But in the back of my head, I'm like, yeah, but what's up with Fred though? Cause like, <laughs> Something's something's not quite right with Fred. Even like the little bits where um, I think Fanny goes out to like have a smoke at some point and then he just like creeps up behind her and like unannounced is like, 
uh, I'm done or like I'm here yeah. or some shit like that. Like he's really creepy. Like he he's creepy outside of the confines of trying to write creepy stuff. Like there are there's some creepy stuff to his actual character that mm-hmm. doesn't quite sit right. And it puts you it gives you this sense of tension, I feel like, through a good chunk of this movie. Yeah, they do a really good job of drizzling little hints throughout the movie that kind of lead you up to the ending. Because mm-hmm. I think in some ways you could feel that maybe the ending came comes out of nowhere, but I think that they do a good job of preparing you for that. Because, oh, yeah, agree, it's like we see throughout that Fred, he's a little bit kooky, <laughs> uh, mm-hmm. a little loony <laughs> at times. He, like, first of all, he he changes his – it's not even that he changes his story. It's just that – when he feels like people aren't like reacting in a way that he wants them to, he always has to like throw in some random thing or like backtrack and and flip things around. So he's not the most reliable like narrator. He mm-hmm. yeah, and he gets there, he keeps doing this Jack Nicholson impression and it's kind of <laughs> weird. <laughs> and then we get this whole thing with his phone where his phone is being blown up and he is obviously very agitated by it then we get this whole thing about oh yeah my my ex got it's not a restraining order i can't remember what he calls it but basically oh yeah call it call it something different like even he says it and he's like oh no it's different yeah because fanny's like like the same thing restraining order yeah yeah, and he's basically like, oh, no, 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 it's like a safety precaution <laughs> type of thing or whatever. And mm-hmm. so that's weird. Like, we get that, and that's kind of weird. And then later on, he kind of makes this comment where he's like, yeah, my mom is a bitch. And he's like, it kind of comes out of nowhere. Mm-hmm. And, like, there's all these little things where you're like, he has some issues, specifically yeah. – Issues against women. Like, that's yeah. very obvious. That's, it all, yeah, that's super. Yeah, it all comes back to it being about about women. And even with the thing where, like, uh, Fanny is like, why couldn't Sam be a girl? And he's mm-hmm. like, what? It, like, it's it's more of a big deal than it needs to be. Because he could have just been like, okay, well, yeah, she's a girl. Because this isn't a real situation. Like, they're just telling stories for the night. But yeah. it, you can tell that it's, like, a thing for him where he is like, oh, you're a feminist. Blah, 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 blah. Like, yeah. <laughs> um, I loved his response to it, too. He's like, why couldn't she or why couldn't Sam be a girl? I was like, well, this is like a what, like an autobiography story. Yeah, yeah. Like, <laughs> yeah he's like, you uh, dealing with a werewolf? Yeah. <laughs> he's like, well, it's just I, I relate to the story. So it's like, she's not a girl. It's from my perspective. It's like, it's like okay. okay, dude, sure. Yeah, that, yeah, I get it. I totally get what you're like, all right, from. bro. <laughs> Yeah, I'm like, okay. And it was the shining from your perspective as well. Um, (laughs) But yeah, I think that they do a really good job of building up just that something is a a little off about him. Mm -hmm. And that his buttons are being pushed and they're about to get pushed too far. Yeah. And the movie does also really subtle foreshadowings towards things um specifically with the i think both the knife and the the poker the yeah. the what is that is it, are they just called pokers is that what they're called the yeah, it's little the fire things poker. just the fire poker mm-hmm. yeah because like throughout the throughout the entire movie um i feel like we see characters like holding that poker and that poker does have significance towards the end of the film once you get there um but even at the beginning when he's like 
walking through and like looking at the house and like at some point like he's by the knives is like runs his hand along the knives like those little subtle camera tricks where it's like the um uh what's the what's the term for it is this like Chekhov's gun or something like that um oh yeah it's like where you show a gun at the beginning of yeah. the movie it has to get used in like the third act or whatever yeah it it, it really it really had a lot of those vibes to it mm-hmm. and so it's like that couple that with these weird little outbursts that we get from Fred really kind of make you feel uneasy about him the longer the movie goes on. Oh yeah, I agree, and I and it's also interesting too because that for specifically for the fire poker, a lot of the times that we see it before then, Fanny is the one that has it, and she's yeah. kind of using it to intimidate him, and Fred seems really uneasy by that, and I think it's because for a lot of this movie, Fanny has the power. Like he mm-hmm. is so intimidated by her, he sees her as a powerful woman and that scares him and by the end of it when he has it he's finally flipped the script he's finally actually scared her of course he had to resort to threatening Violence. to kill her <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> and chasing her to scare her but yeah it's like he finally in his head in his mind he finally has the power because she is backing off and back right. down. Um, but I want to talk about I want to talk about the ending. Do did you like that ending? Is that where you thought the movie was going to go? Was it satisfying to you? Um I yeah, I like I like the ending a lot. And I liked it a lot because I didn't know where it was going to go. And that for me was very refreshing. Uh, yeah. because even even when we get the turn to um him chasing her now and now we're like oh shit is fred gonna kill fanny um i really enjoyed the fact that you never knew whether or not fred was kidding or not about trying to kill fanny because we never get closure on that yeah like yes he's chasing her and he said that he's going to he's going to hurt her um, but you know, before we actually find out what he would have done if he found her, uh, you know, he falls down the stairs and spoiler alert gets self impaled mm-hmm. with the fire poker that we've seen throughout the entire movie, a la Chekhov's gun. And the, the whole thing between him and Fanny, one, I really enjoyed getting to see, um, Aya Cash work during that scene because, uh, if you, you know, She's plays strong women in a lot of her roles, and she does that in this role as well. But I don't think outside of like maybe a little bit in You're the Worst, it's not often you get to see her play very vulnerable or scared or just that flip side of the coin. And she did it so well so well and like i there was like a very dark beauty to how um to how the two characters handled fred impaling himself because like she was for a moment there she wasn't just that like strong in your face woman she felt really bad for him despite the fact that he was really threatening to kill her and then the fact that he's like all right finish me off and then she doesn't do it and then he just has to sit there and bleed bleed out it's like some people may not like that but it's like dog you really did that to yourself like i can't really i can't be mad at her for not wanting to go through and getting her hands bloody here when this was kind of your doing yeah and it's like she's not a killer like she 
is a person that likes to write about that stuff, but that's not who she is. And mm-hmm. I I agree with you in that I like that things are left ambiguous in the sense of it could be taken two ways that he really did snap and mm-hmm. was going to get violent with her because he does mention that in the past he has lost his he he says oh well, yeah I've lost my temper two or three times which yeah but he also mm, he also <laughs> prefaces all of this in the confines of a story too yeah and like yeah. that's. I think that's the thing that I actually left that out is like this whole movie, um, what's very cool about it and a big thing about it is it doesn't use – it's very minimalistic. Like these characters tell the tell the scary stories and then, you know, they're aided by the terrific, terrific sound design um, along yeah. with these like cool shadow effects that oh they God. do. The lighting design in this movie is amazing as well. Yeah, the, I wrote that down. The, side, the sound and lighting design is fantastic. Yeah. Um, I believe Chris Maxwell and Phil Hernandez, who both worked as composers for this movie, did an absolute – phenomenal job capturing all those horror sounds that I think we're all so used to. Um, but the this movie uses this very cool, minimalistic um, technique to tell all these stories. And so once we finally get towards the end, when he's telling Fanny that he wants to tell her one more story, um, although the story seems very autobiographical, and it really feels like he's talking about his life. He never directly says it, you know? Mm-hmm. Um, it's it's very much implied. It's heavily implied. Don't get me wrong. It's super heavily implied that it, he's talking about himself. But you also don't know if he's just trying to scare her, too. Like, that's that's the thing. Is like, this movie warps your idea of reality throughout a good portion of it to the point where, like, at some point, it's hard to really um separate what is them storytelling and what is them being real right now and and i think for me at least i think that this is completely him and i say Mm -hmm. that because every like you said when they're telling stories throughout anytime they like you know um need a musical cue or need a sound cue it'll come in on top of their story but when he's telling this story, mm-hmm. he says, oh, and this is where the the strings come in. And they don't. Like, it's he yeah. has to do it himself. They don't come on top. And I get that you're trying to scare me with this poker bullshit, but it's not working, okay? It's just pissing me off. This is the part in the story where the creepy strings kick in. Can you hear them? Yeah. No, friend, I can't hear him. And I think that's because this is real for him. It's not a story that he's envisioning anymore. So he doesn't have the musical cues or that it's just totally silent besides Mm -hmm. them. And then like the, actually, there's not even lightning or anything anymore. I think it's just them. And so I feel like for him... I do think that the story is over, but I do still think that he wants to win by scaring her. And so it's hard. It's like, you don't know if he would have physically harmed her because, yeah, they he's chasing her with the poker and then they fall down the stairs and Mm -hmm. that it was just an accident. The man is clumsy. He he's on crack. He's on beer and he's clumsy. Yeah. Um, and they uh, talking about the foreshadowing again. 
at least like five times characters either like run or bump into something or trip over something. Mm-hmm. Josh does a great job of just sprinkling in these little clues about things that are going to happen later yeah. on in the movie. Yeah, and they're so subtle. He's clumsy as fuck throughout the movie. And almost every story he tells, he hurts himself somehow mm-hmm. or like falls over or hits his knee. Like he's always falling into shit. Mm-hmm. So of course the man can't run down the stairs. Um, he yeah, oh, doesn't he? He literally falls like right as he's trying to chase her. Like at yeah, the beginning yeah. of the chase. He yeah yeah at the beginning of the chase he takes himself out. <laughs> <laughs> he like he barely makes it two steps. He he and he like slips, falls into the wall, and like falls down, fucks mm-hmm. his head up. And then yeah, and then at this the beginning of the second chase he falls again. I love that you can't tell what's going on. The camera like pans over and the way that they're breathing it sounds like someone is being choked and you can assume that he's choking her but then we look over and he has impaled himself and she's just panting because she's distraught but i thought that that whole scene was super tense like i was i honestly was creeped out that entire scene specifically when she's climbing out from under the bed right and she keeps putting her hand out and like slowly pulling herself i kept herself. thinking it was about to get stabbed oh, i kept thinking that i was like stress. oh no don't stab her hand don't stab her hand don't stab the her hand stress. i think that they built up tension perfectly in that and i do think that it's so weird because when he's dying it feels like he's just it's funny because he still acts like it's her fault that that happened. Mm-hmm. Like, he's still blaming women for his shortcomings. Like, it can't be that he lost it and was chasing her and <laughs> threatening to kill her. No, the issue is that she caused all of this to happen yeah, from his like, point of view. Yeah, he's like, did. Yeah, from, from his point of view she is the reason that all of this is happening and Mm -hmm. but it's weird because it also feels like he's just happy that he scared her like he seems really proud of himself particularly when she's about to kill him i almost feel like he feels like he won in some way because she's Mm -hmm. a mess like at this point she is a mess (laughs) Mm -hmm. um and i feel like part of him feels some smug satisfaction from that but of course yeah she can't go through with it because that's not who she is yeah, and, and I she also, shouldn't have to either yeah, and she, I, shouldn't have to. <laughs> she didn't have to kill you my guy like sorry you straight up did this to yourself fred like what the fuck you thought well yeah, bitch what are you doing and so and i also do like the ending of the driver coming back <laughs> i love that and finding and finding fanny's notes and going like, huh. And she doesn't even see him because <laughs> she's so, she's like, oh my God, I have the Holy Grail. She's got this like magical book of all of Fanny's story ideas. Yeah. And so she doesn't even realize that he's like <laughs> slumped over in the corner. You know, what was funny to me is like when that bit happened and she's walking through the house, like when she first entered the house, right? Part of me was thinking, I wonder if we're going to go the route where this entire scenario was the story that Fred was writing. Um, My Mm. brain thought that for a second. Mm -hmm. 
And so as she's walking through the house and we're seeing bits and pieces of the evidence that the night actually happened, I'm like, oh, okay, all right. (laughs) So it's looking like this is real. Like, it it doesn't seem like this was all a dream sort of situation. Like, this is looking kind of real. And then, yeah, when she finds the notebook instead of him, and then we just go to black and we never see him actually being found. I was like, brilliant. I loved it. That was, that, yeah. That's that's exactly how you should have ended that. I Yeah, I agree. I, I really liked that ending. Because like I said, it's like a full circle thing. Everybody's mm-hmm. ideas are getting taken and just getting cycled which is right which is writing y'all like that's yeah that's what happens unfortunately um and and also it's like every idea once it's out there it can be built upon but like it's particularly in horror tropes are tropes because they work you know you reuse mm-hmm. the same thing and you make it better you're not you know we're not inventing the wheel here people like <laughs> you take what you what is already there and you just flip it and make it your own and make it better. And that's just the way it is. Yeah. Things will never be the same. Oh, <laughs> uh, yeah. <laughs> well, yeah. I mean, this movie ha- is an entire movie based on just telling scary stories. That's not a concept yeah. that's brand new or something that we haven't seen before. But it does it in a way that is very unique to itself and it works for it. And it's just one of those things where it's like, it's okay if something else has done your idea before. It's just what different nuance are you bringing to this idea? Yeah. I think is what this movie's trying to push is like, what new thing are you doing with it? Yeah. Um, how can you put your voice on it? And I think for him, mm-hmm. yeah, like his improv background just because uh, by all means, this movie plays out almost like a play. And I just think that the acting in it carries it so well. If the acting wasn't good, this movie really could have gone in a different direction because because it is only stories, the people that tell them need to be entertaining. And mm-hmm. I just think that they do an amazing job because they're, these are long segments of just them acting out these ridiculous situations. And I they're completely committed. And also, I would like to appreciate their space work um, oh, so good. Look, space work was the one thing that I felt like I excelled at in improv. <laughs> uh, homies, if you don't know what space work is, it's basically whenever you see an actor miming an object, that's space work. But it's it's yeah. a lot harder than it seems. You have to account for the weight of the object, the size of the object. And that's what helps bring you into the reality of the scene is seeing people interact with their environment. I loved all of the space work in this movie. Mm -hmm. I just thought it was great. And if I was sitting in a theater and I was watching this on a stage, I would have been thoroughly entertained. Like I would have loved, I would have enjoyed, been really, really excited. And, And there were moments in here that definitely felt like, like I've gone to enough improv shows because <laughs> like I've seen I've seen them all, the good and the bad. But I, I will there say were moments that in that, here that the definitely way you just said that. The way you just said that, I've been to enough improv shows. I was like, you know what? I felt that. <laughs> Look, I appreciate y'all. I'll support you guys. I support you, my friend. I but felt that in my soul. <laughs> every improv show does not a good show make. I mean, <laughs> you get the full gambit of 
qual- like qualifications and and <laughs> <laughs> and that it is what it is. I mean, mm-hmm. it, it truly is. But it there truly. were there were moments in this movie that reminded me of being at an improv show, but but, but being at a really really good one, mm-hmm. and particularly the scenes. Especially that, especially that last story that they tell all together that turns into like a musical number. Mm-hmm. I mean, I could have seen that be an improv bit. Like I could have seen that unfold as an improv bit because it just seems so, it really does seem like they're making it up on the fly. But yeah. it works so well and it's so funny. And I also love that the more they drink and the more drugs they do, the more immersive the stories become. Because by that last story, I mean, there's like lighting, there's a pl- there's like extra voices in the back. It's the most immersive story that they've had because at that point they're not they're very unsober. Yeah, they're I they're, shall say. They're very <laughs> is the word they I'm are, looking for. <laughs> they're pretty they're pretty turnt, as they say. Yes. But I agree with you. I think a lot of that that comes to from the whole improv notion of yes and and all that stuff of building upon yes anding the ideas that people are giving you and building upon them which goes a long way that's actually one of the reasons why i love improv and did it for so many years is you can apply it to so many other aspects of your life and i think the core aspect of yes and is a great one to incorporate especially when writing with multiple people because it allows you to take the gifts of the ideas that other, that other people are giving you and then collectively create something new and possibly better together because you're not knocking the things that people are giving you, you're supporting it and figuring out ways that you can make it bigger than it would have been if it was just that one person. Um, yes, and. And you can see that... you. <laughs> <laughs> I see what you did there. <laughs> but you can see you can see it too in the stories as we go along because as I think as they get more comfortable with each other and each other's ideas and creative process, they're able to then agree and add on more stuff to the stories and work more collaboratively as opposed to kind of like the solo stories that they were telling in the beginning. Mm -hmm. Um, Which brings me to one question that I did want to ask before Mm -hmm. we uh, start wrapping up is out of all the stories that were told, which one was your favorite? I think the troll one was my favorite. The troll one? Yeah. I, oh God, I, I just think that the way that that scene unfolds is my favorite. And in the sense of, the way that they work together, I don't know. Mm-hmm. It just made me, that one made me laugh the most out of all of them mm-hmm. because I just love the juxtaposition between Fred struggling to keep the story going mm-hmm. and Fanny refusing to like give in to that because he was, you know, constantly trying to claw for her to kind of give him information to help throughout <laughs> the story. And she, would try and push back and then eventually give in. And, Mm -hmm. oh God, I don't know. Something about, that one is probably the most ridiculous one out of all of them and the most nonsensical one. But Mm -hmm. I just love the way that they play off of each other in that scene. And I I think that that story is just, (laughs) it just, it went in so many different directions that I wasn't expecting it to. 
that <laughs> by the end of it, I was like, yeah, okay. <laughs> yeah, that makes sense. <laughs> um, Devin the Troll. That's yeah, a very Devin, modern yeah. name, Devin the Troll. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that one, that one is really good. Um, mm-hmm. So yeah, I think the troll one is probably my favorite. What about you? Yeah, I, I mean, I really like the troll one too. Um, I think I'm, it could just be because of the camaraderie. I really did love the musical number one at the <laughs> yeah. end because it was just, it was just so big and flashy. I, I really, I really enjoyed it. However, um, a good runner-up for me is actually the speed through of the plot of <laughs> oh, Venus. Venus? <laughs> Dude, yeah. Because like even even though we don't get to so throughout the entire movie, Fred keeps trying to get Fanny to um, tell Venus as one of the scary stories, and she doesn't want to do it. And then after they get hella turned, um, finally she she's like, "Okay, cool, I'll tell a story." And Carlo, the pizza guy, who is terrible at his job, but I yeah. love that character. Oh my god, his uh, facial expressions were everything to me. They're so Chris good. Red was made for this movie. I'm so glad that they pulled him in here. And like I'm so glad to see him doing more and more stuff because he's very talented and very, very funny. Mm-hmm. And um, like for me, he came it was very nonsensical that his character arrived in the plot, but I was just so happy that he was there. Like I <laughs> Yeah. Like, I don't know why. I just loved seeing him there. Um, but watching him and and, um, and Aya just fully commit to that story, and even though we only get, like, tiny snippets of it, their, their commitment and acting is just so good in it that, like, mm-hmm. I was smiling throughout the entire thing. Yeah, and I thought that that was so clever because this entire time we're, wa- we're waiting to hear about Venus and Mm -hmm. what more of the plot is about. And then we finally get to see it, but because Fred is so, at this point, he's irritated again. He's feeling like the third wheel and he's drugged out. Because of of all those factors, it's like we keep coming in and out of his consciousness and like picking up at the weirdest moments. And so the (laughs) plot that we get is just, it doesn't make any sense, but it's so... It's so funny. I really, really loved. I love that that was how that played out because I was like, okay, we're gonna find out more about Venus, I'm sure. But yeah, that, that was, the fact that that was the way it happened, I thought was just was great. <laughs> that was such a good way to do that. And I guess according to Ian in an interview, they actually did shoot that entire um telling of the story so i don't know if we'll ever see that in like a dvd version or something like that but somewhere out there exists the full acted out version of venus which i would absolutely love to see that's really cool i i would love to see that as well um but okay before we get into our ratings Mm -hmm. is there anything about this movie that you didn't like or that you wish they had done differently honestly not really i really really enjoyed this movie a lot i think if i was gonna critique anything i would say maybe we could have shaved off some time Mm -hmm. um because it is a longer movie and for me i was fine with it um because this type of meta shit is right up my alley so like i could watch like three hours of people telling (laughs) different nuanced horror stories like that's totally cool with me but it does have a pretty long runtime, and i do think like right right before chris red's character enters in i 
was slightly hitting a little bit of fatigue. Like I might have like paused the movie, like got up for a second and then came back and finished it. Mm. Um, so if I was going to cr- critique anything, which it's stretching that word, um, you know, maybe find some way to shave off time. I I'm hesitant to say knock one of the stories out because I enjoyed all the stories. But if they did cut one of the stories, then probably could have shaved like 15, 20 minutes off of the runtime. But mm. outside of that, I don't really think so. What about you? I, I That's fair. I, I was surprised at how long it was when I got into it. It didn't feel as long but i will agree with you that that midway point you you almost feel like that could almost be closer to the end than it actually is Mm -hmm. um so yeah i if they could have figured that out i'm not sure how because so much of this i would want them to keep in so i totally understand you know not wanting to cut anything but yeah, that that's fair. And at first, at first I was wondering maybe if I liked I I loved the ending. But then and I was but then I was thinking I was like, was that the best ending though? Was there something better they could have done? Would it have been better if it ended with Fred having just been trying to scare her and him saying that he won or something? Um, I don't know. But I after thinking about it a little bit more, I do actually really like the ending that we got. Yeah. So I wouldn't I wouldn't call that a con. I actually think that that's a pro of the movie is that they're the way that they wrote the way that he wrote it was so good that you could have had multiple endings. And yeah. all of them would have been really good. Like if this yeah. I think that any way this movie ended would have been really fun. So And I th- I also think there is some strong symbolism there because um like we were saying earlier in the thing, he did write this um as a bit of a commentary towards the fragile male ego. And I do think it is it's sort of symbolic to me at least, that um, his own issues with his ego and feeling inferior to Fanny, ultimately, that it's, it's, a, it's a self-destructive mm-hmm. um, state of mind, and it ultimately does destroy him by the end of the film. And I think him, and him losing, I think, is important for getting the overall message that um, Josh Rubin was trying to get across um to really land home and solidify where it's just like you gotta put that shit aside guys yeah like it's just not it's not healthy (laughs) yeah (laughs) that's an understatement (laughs) (laughs) it is it is (laughs) um okay cool well shall we shall we rate this bad boy sure sure um what are we thinking? We I could, could see pizza slices as one. But. I was going to say, I see pizza slices. I could see fire pokers. I could see, mm-hmm. um, oh God, I literally just had one in my, I could see beer bottles. I could see werewolves. Okay. I could, I could well, see you, trolls. <laughs> what you feeling? What you feeling? Hit me with oh my gosh. Um, let's go, let's do it out of fire pokers. We might as well. Because that was a pretty yeah. big symbolic thing in this movie. True that, true that. Symbolic? I, I don't know if it was symbolic. That was kind of dramatic. <laughs> it was an important prop in this movie. <laughs> it was a thing that existed thing in, in this, this film. Movie. It was there. It's not a big deal. <laughs> um, well, do you want to go first? Do you want me to go first? Uh, let's have you go first. I'm curious what oh you thought. God. Okay. I'm going to give this movie a 4.5 out of 5 fire pokers. Ooh, very 
nice. Yes. Um, oh, God. I don't know. I really enjoyed this movie. I had a lot of fun. I think it was really entertaining. I love the way that it was written. I loved the performances. I think out of everything, the performances, the lighting, and the sound design in this movie was a slam dunk, was a home run, was a touchdown. So mm-hmm. that's all I got. <laughs> Only sports I can name. <laughs> um, <laughs> but no, they were they were amazing. And I just had to, throughout the movie, I was so excited to see, okay, what kind of story are they going to tell now? How are they going to weave that into reality? Like, what mm-hmm. things are they going to show? What sound effects are we going to get? I, it was funny. It made me laugh out loud, which does not always happen. I'm more of a smile person when I think something's funny in a movie. Mm-hmm. Like, comedies can get me but most it's rare that i like legitimately laugh out loud and they got me in this movie i thought that it was equally as funny as it was creepy in moments and i just feel like this movie it's just so obviously a love letter to horror but also to creativity I loved mm-hmm. the the little different things that they had about performing and writing and, and things like that. And I totally agree with you where I have known people that are a Fred and I have known people that are a Fanny. And I enjoyed watching those two people interact with each other. Mm-hmm. I think my, yeah, my only con would be it's a little long. I don't know how. I am so sorry, Josh. I don't know how you could put this down. <laughs> And still have it be that great movie, but I will say halfway through I was feeling a little sluggish, but I do think it was very, very smart of them to bring a third character in because that put me right back in and like my energy was back up. Mm -hmm. Um, So yeah, I'm probably going to watch this again. I think this is a great movie to to just have on and Mm -hmm. like, I don't know, it seems like it might be a good comfort horror movie for me in the future. Uh, So yeah. 4.5 Fire Pokers, my guy. Very nice. Very nice. (laughs) Okay. Uh, I think I'm going to be right there up the up there with you uh you know i really love i really like this movie a lot i think i'm gonna give it a 4.8 fire pokers out of five yeah when i say i like this movie i really really (laughs) like this movie yeah um echoing most of the stuff that you said uh it's really funny um and when it does decide to get creepy and dark it does a really good job of doing that i love the nuances that josh weaved in throughout the script and the way it was shot i absolutely loved 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 the sound design um it was a great reminder to just how important sound is to horror i think that's something that a lot of people forget that that is like a key element to horror you cannot have a good horror movie without good sound and i'm just glad that they paid attention to that and like really highlighted that in this film and i think that's something that more films should probably take a look at doing and yeah it was just really fun like the characters were all like very eccentric and all and everyone who was performing seemed to have a great time gave great performances Mm -hmm. the stories that they told were great um i really could just go on and on about how much i like this movie (laughs) um the only reason it's not a five out of five is like i said i do think it's like a teeny tiny bit long but I'm also like you where I'm like, I don't really know what I would trim out. Yeah. Is it's like hard. it's really hard to say. Like I feel like there's stuff you probably could take out, but like I was okay with it. So like I don't really want to take anything out. 
but that would be like the only little thing. Um, but yeah, dude, this movie's dope. Yeah. Homies, this movie's awesome. Watch it, this stuff. It really is, guys. If you are interested in watching it, like we said, it's our strange lover, Shudder, has it on their streaming <laughs> service. <laughs> um, so you can check it out on there. Just be aware. Obviously, I know we've spelled it out in here, but just be aware that it is storytelling. And if you don't think that you're going to jive with that, that's totally fair. But I do still recommend at least going and watching it and giving it a chance. Because mm-hmm. I do think that there is a little something in here for everybody. And you'll know. Like, if it's not your vibe, you'll you'll know. But I, yeah. I do think it's worth going and watching it because it, it is really entertaining. And it's really fun. Yeah, and also if you're uh, if you're a writer, if you like writing, I also think you should watch this movie too because mm-hmm. if nothing else, Josh Rubin is a really good writer, and I actually even just through watching them um, workshop these stories, I felt like I learned a ton. Like I, <laughs> I felt like after watching the movie, I do kind of feel like I sat through a mini <laughs> writing masterclass where I was like, huh. Mm-hmm. I think I'm going to apply a lot of those notes that you gave. Thank you for that. Right? I know. I'm like, let me jot that down in my book. Because <laughs> <laughs> you write. <laughs> um, so, yeah. Please check this movie out if you have not done so already. Um, and if you have, let us know what you think. I am dying to know what others think of this movie. And please let us know what your favorite story was. That is what I would love to know. Oh, yes, please. What is your favorite story out of all the stories? Um, But yeah, homies, that is it for us today. Um, As usual, you can find us on our social media. We are homies of horror on everything. So reach out to us on there. Talk to us. Have a little chit chat. Send us requests and recommendations through there if you'd like. Or if you prefer, you can always email us. We are homies of horror at gmail.com. So yeah, you can email us through there as well. Shutter, go ahead and slide into that and we'll be having a talk. <laughs> um what else? Oh, you guys. Ratings, reviews, we love them. We eat them <laughs> up. We can't get enough. Um, so please, if you would like, you can go into Apple Podcasts and you can just click and leave us a rating or you can write out a review. We honestly would appreciate either one. Uh, it helps more people uh, see our podcast. So we would very, very much appreciate it if you guys would get on there and let us know what you're thinking. Let us know what you're liking. And, oh, Mondays, we stream. Come check us out. That is every Monday night, 6 p.m. PST. You can find the link to that in our bio, and it is a great way for you to come and hang out with us live. Please. We're very good about, like, talking to people and chatting with the homies, so you should come through. Come hang out. It's Monday. You ain't got nothing better to do. Come through. Like, what else is happening? So, (laughs) yeah, come through, hang out, grab a drink. We might have a drink. And come say hello. We'd love to see you on there. Uh, But that's it for us, homies. We will be seeing you all next Monday. And we hope that you have a great rest of your week. Catch you later, homies. Bye.